evidence and answers. Does the Bible condone slavery? Are all races represented in the Bible? Are the teachings of critical race theory and the new social justice movement consistent with biblical teachings? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics. The defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat and his guest, Dr. H.C. Felder, discussed these issues and show how the Bible presents God's truth for all people of all races and cultures. Remember, if you missed any part of this broadcast, head on over to our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and look up Racism and Christianity. You can download it or listen online. Now, here's the conclusion. I think what a lot of Christians aren't realizing, because this is what's happening now, is that, you know, oppressor and oppressed can mean anything. And what, what's starting to happen is that they, is that the people on the social justice spectrum is saying that Christians are oppressors just because they are Christian. Yes. And so people in the church who are buying into this don't seem to realize that, you know, they're coming for you too. They're coming for all of us. They're coming for not just, you know, the, uh, the whites, but they're coming from Christians in general. Yeah. So be worried because it doesn't stop. Because anyone could be classified as an oppressor. And it just, it, it would, if they had their way, it would just switch one oppressor for another oppressor. It never ends because that's exactly, it wasn't designed to end. It was just designed to, divide, uh, to divide us. And that's, it's doing a great job of it. It's never going to bring unity because if you, if you look at your brother in a way that you're not seeing the image of God in him, if you're looking at him in a way is that he's your enemy, then you are missing the whole gospel message. Yeah, and how are black Americans like you and, you know, Vody Bauckham and uh, others viewed who do not buy in to CRT and the new social justice movement or Black Lives Matter and movements like that? Yeah, yeah, I've considered an Uncle Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, if I could throw a plug out there, yeah. I'm actually a board member of this ministry called Center for Biblical Unity. Yeah. And they actually focus on CRT issues. Uh, there are two founders, one is black and one is white, and I've had the pleasure of being on their show. I had the pleasure of speaking with them at conferences, but they focus on the, C, the whole CRT issue, and as the black, the young black lady, Monique, she used to be into CRT until she realized it was just not biblically based, and she left it behind, and she now speaks out against it. So if anyone wants any further resources, I would definitely recommend them there. Yes. Now, you know, another big criticism that uh, the Bible receives is that, you know, the Bible is responsible for slavery, you know, because we don't find <laughs> Paul or others condemning slavery, you know, and in fact, some people use that Genesis 9 passage, you know, cursed be Cain, a servant of servants shall he be. So some people state uh, that the Bible really doesn't condone slavery. What do you have to say to that? <laughs> okay, I, I would say that these are people who don't really understand slavery. <laughs> Let's deal with the Bible first. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, slavery in the Bible and slavery in the United States were so completely different. For instance, in the Bible, slaves were often prisoners of war. Well, if you read your Bible, if you look up your, if you look at your Bible, you'll see the word captivity. And every time you see a nation going to captivity, that was that was basically slavery. So, if you think of it that way and you realize it that way, then you will realize that this was going on long before the children of Israel. I mean. 
Because oh, yeah. because before before Israel was even a nation, they were slaves in Egypt for four hundred years. But also, even when slavery was an institution that was not invented by God, it was not invented by the Bible. It has existed before that happened. It existed from the dawn of mankind. Slavery has always existed. It was a simple formula: strong nations enslaving weak nations. Now, what God did was He put parameters around it. And those parameters maintained the dignity of the person. And some of those parameters were that slaves were automatically free after six years. A slave could inherit his master's property. If you remember, one of the things going on with Abraham is that one of the reasons why he wanted an heir so bad is that, you know, if he didn't get an heir, he said that his, his, his slave was going to actually be the heir of his property. There was strict observance for the Sabbath. And a slave who died, for instance, the same day he was beaten by his master, would also be killed. That's when we, one of the times that that passage is used, uh, an eye for an eye, two for two, is based on what happens to a slave. If a slave is mistreated, then the master has to be mistreated as well. So, so one of the things that is big difference is that it put parameters around on what people could do, and it maintained their dignity. But most of the slaves were indentured servants. There was no welfare system. There wasn't, you know... Uh, a way for people to take care of themselves if they didn't have someone looking out for them. So actually, a lot of people would sell themselves, sell maybe a family member to someone else in order to have them provided for. So that was actually God's mercy for allowing, you know, people to be treated in a way where they can, they can still have a livelihood. But another thing is that this is that when you look at the Old Testament, this only applied to a specific people at a specific time. So trying to use that to justify slavery in the United States is, is really crazy. But now I will admit there were times, there were times that, that God did use slavery to punish people. And God didn't invent slavery, but he used it to punish people. But, but he used it to punish everyone. He used it to punish the Jews because the Jews were enslaved in Babylon and Assyria. Mm-hmm. So when God told, God actually told Abraham before they went into the promised land, God said, look, your generation is going to come back here, and I'm going to give you this land. And he said, and I'm not giving you, but their sin hasn't risen to that level yet. And then God goes on to say that I'm not giving you this land because you are so great. So I'm giving you this land because of the abominations that those people in the land have been doing. So God used the Jews to bring judgment upon them. And part of that judgment was to be enslaved. Now, there was no Gitmo Bay. There was no Guantanamo Bay. You didn't put people up in, in, in camps and stuff. So the choices were to either kill them or enslave them. So God chose to allow them to enslave them. But like I said, it wasn't something that this wasn't something that God invented. This was something that people were all were already doing. God a lot of times we'll use man-made institutions to bring about his will. But going even further than that, you know, one of the things that's really bizarre about this claim is that in all actuality, that Christianity was actually used to abolish slavery worldwide. Have we ever wondered why slavery isn't going on rampantly now? And the reason is because of Christianity. Like I mentioned, slavery has always existed. Europeans were enslaving Europeans for centuries before the New World was even discovered. As a matter of fact, the word slave came from the word slab was when the Muslims 
took the Slavic people as slaves during 900 AD. Mm. Even here in America, a lot of people don't realize is that the Native Americans were engaged in slavery before the white man came to this nation. They were enslaving one another because that's what happens. Remember I said that the stronger nations enslaved the weaker nations. And there's this idea that these white slave masters went to Africa and captured slaves, like I saw on Roots, until I found out Roots was alive, <laughs> that Alex Haley was actually uh, sued for plagiarism and admitted that he stole, it, he stole it from a book of fiction by a white guy. But what actually happened was that in Africa, strong nations enslaved weak nations and sold them to the white man when the white man came. So the white man actually bought the slaves from African tribes. And those tribes who enslaved their own people kept most of the people, far more people for themselves to work their own plantations than they ever sent to the Americas. But even in the Americas, a lot of people don't realize that blacks were slaves by the Indians as well. The Native Americans had slaves. If anyone knows about the Trail of Tears, I was reading an article about this, very fascinating. I, I, I talk about it. Oh, if you go to my website, you can find out about it. But that was when the government was relocating Native Americans from their locations in the south, southeast, and moving them to the uh, Midwest. But what is really interesting about it, there's this guy, from, uh, his name is Chapman. He was from the Smithsonian. He's actually himself, I think he's a Comanche. And he was saying that the little known secret is that when they were transporting these people across the nation, that a lot of them had slaves and that the whole the Native Americans bought into the whole idea that they were inferior to blacks and equal to whites. They bought into the whole slave trade. That some of the biggest slave owners were, were chiefs of Native American tribes. But even even beyond that, there were African Americans and were blacks who owned slaves as well. I mean, if you became a free black, the chances are that you had slaves because, I mean, who else was going to work for you? So the interesting thing about it is that slavery was not even considered to be this horrible institution until Christianity came along because what happened is, is that it first started with the Quakers, and they realized that, that the slaves were made in the image of God, and that sparked the abolitionist movement. The abolitionist movement is what actually caught fire and – ended up, long story short, abolishing slavery worldwide, pretty much. But that all started with the idea that man was made in the image of God. That is found in no other worldview other than Christianity. So now we like to look back and judge, you know, slavery in the Bible, slavery here, slavery there. Well, you are actually using a Christian worldview in order to, by which to judge slavery. Because before the Christian worldview condemned slavery, no one even saw it as an issue. One of the things that sort of fascinates me is that, you know, black people like to run to Islam. And mm -hmm. Islam was way more invested in slavery than Christianity. Wow. They were involved in slavery before and after slavery in America. Matter of fact, some of the small parts of slavery today involve Africa, where Muslims are taking African slaves to this day. And I know that's a fact because I paid to free a couple of those slaves. So the idea that Christianity is a slavery religion is the exact opposite of the truth. If it wasn't for the Christian worldview, slavery would still be seen as okay today. And who knows? I might be a slave today. You might be a slave today. 
depending on who, what nation was more powerful. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Preach it, brother. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, so, you know. And, you, and yeah. every major religion has engaged in slavery. Hinduism, had the caste system, Buddhism, mm-hmm. all major religions that have been around a while have been involved in slavery. So disingenuous to point, you know, to point out Christianity when all of them are engaged in it. Well, you're the author of the book, The African-American Guide to the Bible. Tell us about that. That's kind of unique. Why did you write that book and what's it all about? Okay, so, so Patrick, here's the deal. <laughs> We're struggling with the doctrinal thesis, with a doctrinal um, project or dissertation. And I went to a Juneteenth celebration here in Charlotte. And when I was there, I saw this picture. And this picture sort of like transformed my life and my ministry. You know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, uh-huh. it was a picture of a little black baby. And the black baby was being fed by a large spoon. And the spoon was being held by a white hand. And in the spoon was a Bible, the chains, and the cross. And that was so clear to me. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to write something. I knew automatically that was false. But I wanted to write something to demonstrate that, first of all, the Bible is the word of God. Secondly, that there was a significant black presence in the Bible. There were people of color throughout the Bible. The idea that they all look like Charles and Heston is, is, <laughs> is not biblically correct. <laughs> And I wanted to deal with the topic of racism and the Bible because, you know, I wanted to dive into some of those issues. And I wanted to talk about God's actual view and the Bible's actual view of man, which is the unity of man, that, you know, we're all made in his image. And that, you know, it's always been God's plan that we would all, you know, find salvation under Christ Jesus. So that's how I got started. That's why I wrote the book. So it was actually, and I made it my dissertation because I knew that way I would have to finish it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Tell us, where are blacks and other races found in the Bible? Give us some examples of the kind of prominent roles they play in the Bible. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's really good. Well, let's look at, for instance, we look at the Bible, we look at, we hear about the Kushites. Let's go back even further than that. You mentioned the curse of Cain. Right, Genesis 9. Right, 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 right. So there is this view that, and it was really interesting when I was doing research on this, that the three sons of Noah were three different races. And that, you know, Jephthah went and found the European nations and Ham, the um, African nations, and Shem, the Middle Eastern nations. But the point I make is that everyone comes basically from the same place. And I make a case that that place is associated with Africa. And I say that because the Bible talks about Genesis and it talks about the, the, uh, the rivers going through the land of Cush. And Cush is the, what would, today we would, be, we would consider Southern Egypt, Sudan, and Ethiopia. So we're talking not just Africa, but we're talking like black, black mm-hmm. people. So it is my position that as people spread out, then the people who better adjusted to the climate in those areas became more healthy, had more children that looked like them. And over time, those people started, you know, becoming more plentiful in that area. So the Kushites, 
And going back to your question, the Cushites were very, very important people in the Bible. They were not slaves. They were prominent. They were actually warriors. God mentions them very favorably. They actually, they were actually part of um, David's army. And we actually see that the Bible even talks about some of the Cushite kings. And, and actually, King Hezekiah reached out to one of the Cushite kings in order to fight and to help fight against the Assyrian army. I mean, so we have Egypt. Of course, Egypt is also in Africa. And they were very prominent. They were probably the world power in the Bible back in those days. And even Israel. And this is something that I think a lot of people don't realize, and that is that we have this view of the Jews being white, I guess, European yeah, blonde, white. But if we, we look at the history of Israel, we see something very different. And, and, and one of the things that I point out is that the Jews were not white. So we look at Abraham. Abraham was born was from the land of Ur, which is modern-day Iraq. So that's the Middle Eastern. Let's look at the fact that the Jews spent 400 years in Africa. And, and in 400 years of Africa, we know that they intermingled with people, that they intermarried with people, because we know, first of all, the Egyptians did that with everyone that they took slaves. And there was no prohibition, prohibition against it from God, because, you know, even when God did do a prohibition in the land of Canaan, they ignored it. But, but there was a lot of England mingling going on there. But it was actually during this time that the Jews were in Egypt that there was this great influx of Cushites coming into Egypt. And so there's no reason to think that there wasn't a lot of intermarrying going on between the Jews and the Cushites. And yeah. we, we know a good example of this is that Moses himself married a Cushite woman. Right. When the Jews came up out of Egypt, the Bible says that they came up as a mixed multitude, which means that they were ethnically diverse. There were Egyptians with them. There were Cushites with them. If we look at who the 12 tribes of Israel were, we see that two of the 12 tribes of Israel were actually black, African. Joseph, when he buried the priestess in Egypt, they had two children. And two of those, those two children, two sons were named Ephraim and Manasseh. Those two sons became two of the 12 tribes of Israel. So Israel itself is not a nation that we think about when we talk about as far as uh, Israel being white. It's just, it just not. We have Ham. I talked about Ham before, and Ham was actually mentioned by God with, with favor. The curse that you mentioned was a really interesting curse because the curse, forgive me if I'm going back and forth because I, I tend to go down rabbit trails, so you may have to bring <laughs> me back. But I just thought about that curse that you mentioned. And the curse you mentioned is very important because for those who don't know the background, Noah got drunk one day. So his son, Ham, actually saw his father naked, came out and told his uh, brothers. And his brothers came back and, you know, they, they didn't look at his father, their father. They actually took um, a blanket and covered their father over. When their father woke up, when Noah woke up, so he, he laid a curse. But here's the interesting thing. He didn't curse Ham. <laughs> right. Now, Ham is associated with the African nation, but the curse had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with Ham. He cursed Canaan. Now, Canaan was the son of Ham that populated the area that the Israelites went into that became the promised land, that became Israel. So that curse, when Noah found out what happened, he said, you know, curse be Canaan that the sons of the, or the, or the descendants of Jephthah and Shem would be over 
the descendants of Canaan, that they would basically serve him. Well, that what actually did happen. That was uh, fulfilled when the Israelites went into the land of Canaan. But it's very ironic that people use this to somehow justify slavery in America when, when Ham had Ham was the father of the African nations, and Ham had nothing to do with the curse. So, you know, I always found that ironic. But, but that brings up an interesting question, because why didn't Noah curse Ham and not Canaan? Yeah. You know what? That used to be a question I used to ask myself until I read Genesis 9-1. But when they came out of the ark, God, it says that God blessed Noah and his sons. So if God blessed Noah and his sons, surely, surely Noah couldn't turn around and curse what God has already blessed. So he cursed the next closest thing to him, which was Canaan. But going back on with your question, then you have Nimrod. Nimrod was actually considered a mighty hunter before the Lord. He actually was a kingdom builder. Interesting thing about Nimrod is that Nimrod was the son of Cush, who was the son of Ham. So Nimrod was actually the grandson of Ham. Hmm. And he built nations like Assyria and Babylon. Okay, so this is, this is fascinating when you think about this. He built the nations of Assyria and Babylon. These are the same two nations <laughs> that the Israelites went into bondage in. And the reason why I mention that is because there are people out there who would look at the Bible and say, well, you know, the Jews took the Canaanites as slaves, you know, somehow implying that the Jews were white and the Canaanites were black. But my point now is that, well, then God sent them into slavery under two nations that were directly related to Ham. So, yeah. so then, you know, that sort of destroyed that argument. Then you had like Phineas. I, I, we'll give another one. Uh, Phineas. Phineas is really interesting because Phineas' name actually means the Nubian. But what is interesting about Phineas is that Phineas is actually, the story of Phineas is bizarre. It's one of, to me, one of the strangest stories in the Bible. When the children of Israel went into the land of Israel, and they were, you know, staking out their claim, and God told them not to intermingle with the uh, Canaanites, not because, they were, not because they were different color, but because they would lead them away from their God. The elders were sitting around talking, and in the presence of the elders talking, one of the men from Israel brought a Canaanite woman into his tent. Yeah. It is a pure overview of everyone. And, Phineas, and, and because of that, God was cursing Israel with a plague at that time because Israel was, you know, doing what God told him not to do. Phineas took a spear, stabbed it through the tent, and pinning both of them to the ground. And God, God said that Phineas had avenged God's anger and that God turned his anger away because of what Phineas had done. And Phineas was so blessed is that the lineage, the lineage of the, of the priests of Israel all went through the line of Phineas. In the wilderness, there was a song actually written about Moses and about Phineas. Phineas is elevated to the, almost to the level of Moses in the eyes of the people because of what he had done to turn God's anger away. You know, we, you know, we don't hear much about that. But, you know, in the New Testament, we talk about Ethiopian eunuch, Simon, who's called Niger. But I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. But there are definitely instances of uh, Africans in the Bible and God talking about them favorably. Folks, you've been listening to our interview with Dr. H.C. Felder. He is the president and founder of Giving and Answer Ministries. So, H.C., people want more information on you and your work. Where can they go to find more information? They can go to my website, actually my very new updated website, 
givinganswer.org. I also have a YouTube channel. Listen to a bunch of interviews uploaded to my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is also called Giving an Answer. And, of course, they can check me out on Facebook. I have a Facebook page for Giving an Answer as well. Outstanding. Well, H.C., thanks for being with us here and talking about some of these tough topics here on Evidence and Answers. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the Air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucaran. Oh, 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 oh,